Hey everybody, Saul Marquez here with the Outcomes Rocket at Vive, and I am so excited to have the amazing Dr. John Chelico with us today. Dr. Chelico is a board-certified internal medicine physician with former fellowship training in biomedical informatics. He has a subspecialty board certification in clinical informatics, and his expertise is in the use of electronic health record systems for the improvement of clinical care, quality, and research. John is the System VP, Chief Medical Information Officer for Common Spirit Health. Prior to joining Common Spirit Health, he was VP and Chief Informatics and Innovation Officer at Northwire Health in New York. Dr. Telico, it is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. It's uh, definitely uh, an interesting week for me. My first week on the job at Common Spirit Health, but also um, the opportunity to be at Vive and, uh, and be a speaker at Vive this year and it's been an awesome conference. Yeah, it really has been. And so as you as you think about the one thing that stands out for you, Dr. Teleco, what, what, what's been the best for you from the conference so far? I think the fact that I think you gathered enough senior level leaders uh, that have come together and in a very manageable conference. I think the talks have been great. I think the the, the sort of the exhibit hall has been manageable. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, my feet don't hurt as much from walking from end <laughs> to end at some other conferences. <laughs> but um, we'll definitely uh, take some uh, good notes and uh, looking forward to uh, the remainder of the conference here. That's great. Appreciate the feedback. So you've got a talk coming tomorrow. And for folks that aren't able to make it, either because they couldn't come to the conference or maybe they they went somewhere else, Give us a synopsis of what you're going to touch on. Yeah, definitely. Sort of a carryover from what I had done in Northwell Health. I I was there for about 10 years, but the last five years, I ran the Center for Research Informatics Innovation. It was to sort of enable research and innovation within the context of a large health system. But I would say that a health system is probably, you know, the best place to run a clinical trial. From a feasibility perspective, we have every patient to match every inclusion and exclusion criteria that any industry player can throw at us. However, those patients are spread over a larger geography. So we may have one PI, a principal investigator in one geography, but the patient may, patients that fit that criteria may be spread over, you know, a four-hour geography or in, in common spirit terms, they may be all over the, all over the, the United States in 21 states. Yes. But, you know, how do you sort of capitalize on that? So COVID proved one thing to us is the ability to sort of you know, do a decentralized model around this, meaning that the patient doesn't have to physically be in front of the PI. They don't have to be in the same geography. They don't even need to be in the same time zone. Um, and I think the ability for a patient to, a doctor to be able to sort of provide what a clinical trial gives, what essentially is care that you do not have access to as a cardiology patient, as an oncology patient. In order to get the most up-to-date treatments these days, you have to, you know, really be enrolled in clinical trials. And if you're a doctor that's with you, can't do that, well, someone in the health system may be able to do that. And they don't need to be travel to their office to do that. They can actually do it in other ways. And I think that model of decentralization for clinical trials is going to be something that you know, is has been proven during COVID, but I think as a model for health systems to do clinical trials in the future, I think is something that of a perspective that I think is very important to bring that level of care to all aspects with, through a health system in common spirit. You know, there's places where where patients would not have access to academic medical centers. Patients have don't have, you know, don't have the means to get to that to those. But now we can actually bring that to the patient, which is really going to be amazing. 
Yeah, that's really amazing. And and a couple things that that come to mind, Dr. Teleco, on this is number one, access, right? So so this in my mind expands and, and improves access to these to these medications. And then on the on the second hand, it's it's the the need for for more diverse sets of patients for for drug companies. Of you want to comment on that? Oh, of course. I mean, I think that I think that bringing clinical trials to health systems where they have access to patients of many diverse populations. I remember at Northwell Health, we had, you know, patients that were in in, in Queens and Brooklyn. I mean, there was about 230 different practice uh, uh, um, spoken languages just in our databases from wow. patients in those areas. They represented not just sort of geographies, but they represent sort of certain dialects within those the spoken in those areas. And I think, you know, those people never have access to clinical trials or uh, the most up-to-date opportunities for treatments and others. Not that they don't need them. Bringing that opportunity and access is something that would be, uh, I think, uh, would be great for, for, for people that would never even think of that. Or the physicians taking care of them, bringing the opportunity to give that treatment to their patients is really what I'm very interested in as a physician, as, as someone who, that otherwise, you know, wouldn't think of that opportunity for that patient. I love that. Yeah. You know, with the physician in mind, making sure that they're also empowered yep. to provide new new things. Of course. Yeah. That's fantastic. What would you say is the number one theme health systems need to be mindful of in 2022? I think I think health systems in general are making a huge transition from being health systems and hospital health systems to, you know, really have, having a focus towards the ambulatory and the patients at home. I think we're all going towards value-based care. And I think the care that is not happening in the four walls of the hospital or the four walls of a doctor's office is going to be sort of a major focus. At this, you know, in the entity that I'll be joining in Common Spirit, I'll be part of the physician enterprise which is um, really representing all the physicians across all of what was prior physicians that were part of CHI and part of Dignity Health. And I think that in, in, in not sort of identifying as part of the local hospital or part of that is, is the piece that I think we're all part of one united brand and I think one united sort of opportunity for access and one way to sort of represent that to payers, represent that in contracts, but the ability to sort of you know, again, have the scale across the organization and not sort of be very, you know, mindful to the, uh, at the same time, being sensitive to the local geography, but at the same time, giving the strength of the of what we actually have in the, um, you know, the thousands of providers that are across the health system. Yeah. And, and it is moving that way, right? And tech is moving toward the home. And, and so care is shifting to the home. Correct. Correct. I think, I think the only thing that I think has to really eventually sort of be is, 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 is the way we get paid needs to be shifted towards that 100%. path. And I think, I think that was one of my major excitements of really why I wanted to move from New York, which is mainly a fee-for-service geography. And I think where digital health doesn't quite make sense yet, because a lot of this really requires you to have investment in value-based care. I think the opportunity at Common Spirit in some geographies where they have a lot more concentration on value-based care, I think the opportunity to do that at scale is very exciting for me. And I think, you know, where digital health solutions start making sense. <laughs> and I think I always I always joke, it's sense in, in the sense of that it makes sense, but the other thing is it starts making dollars and cents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And as as uh, reimbursement starts getting more in line, correct, it will make even more dollars. <laughs> because it makes sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. So with that shift to the home, there's there's obviously watchouts, right? So so what watchouts come to mind to you? that you'd like to share with people as they ramp up their efforts in that space? Look, I think there's the the opportunity to consumerize health is is something that we all want. I think the other thing is that, you know, I have to be mindful of the physicians and that the physicians don't need every data point that is generated by patients at home. I don't need every heartbeat that is recorded by your your Apple Watch or your Fitbit or whatever consumer device you're wearing. I don't need to know your blood pressure every waking morning or your weight is on your scale, but I do need to know when it becomes a problem or I do need to know. So I think the ability for us to sort of harness all of this data, develop technology, whether it's, you want to call it machine learning or AI or, or just, you know, basic, you know, analytics to understand, you know, when to ring the bell and when to, when does it need to bring to the attention of the healthcare system? When do they need to intervene? And I think it's very important from a payer perspective. It's very important from a, uh, just a pure good clinical care perspective is that, hey, if I got a a CHF patient's weight every morning, and when that weight hits sort of a certain mark, very simply, you know, we can definitely sort of, you know, proactively, you know, manage their diuretics and, and be able to sort of, you know, get on top of something. Yes, we can avoid them from coming to the hospital, avoid them from, you know, other, other sort of downstream episodes of shortness of breath, whatever. There's definitely predictors in that. So the ability to sort of harness that is very important. And again, you need technology to actually make make it work. Otherwise, it's almost overwhelming <laughs> the amount of data that's being produced. And and the other thing is, you know, be very mindful of the quality of data that's being sort of, you know, these are consumer devices. Yes, they have some FDA clearances and other things, but in the end of the day, a blood pressure taken by a, a machine that you buy your local is not sort of in, in regards to the same type of blood pressure that's maybe recorded in the setting of your doctor's office. So you have to keep things of that in mind in, in consumer data that's collected through wearables, but also, you know, data that's collected by your patient or something like that. And, I, you know, but I think there's there's definitely a, my, a you know, a way to handle that on, on the electronic health record side. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and you know, it, that's why it's so great to have a physician in a, in a position like yours, because you think about the position that they're in and you're overwhelmed with alarms. You're, you're, you, there's just so much stuff coming at you. There's so much stuff that you got to plug into an EMR. Less is best, make it critical. And that's what matters. Yeah. And look, I mean, I think, I think we all want to practice to the top of our game, whether you're a nurse, an advanced care provider, a physician, you do, you do want to sort of, you know, do the right thing by your patients in the end of the day. But, you know, there's almost so much time in the day. And if technology can help that sort of do the right thing and help you or leave your your brain power to the most critical of decisions, then we've we've done a good thing. And I think that's what, what it comes down to. I mean, you always sort of compare, um, you know, I, I medicine practice 30, 40 years ago. Well, we only had like 400 medications to choose from. And we only had like, you know, now we have thousands of medications and thousands of surgical opportunities to, to, to pounce on. And there's, and there's a million diagnosis that you can sort of, you know, diagnose patients. So this there's so much more to digest as a physician. There's no way you to, for you to keep up. And I think that's what really kind of brought me to this field. And as, as a physician to say, say, we need to find a better way. And, um, you know, other industries have done this. We need to do harness, obviously harness, harness this even further as, uh, as many of these people at Viva are trying to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I definitely agree with you. And so on the theme of burnout, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of folks struggling and, and retention's a, a challenge. 
What are some examples that, that people could sort of consider and, and do to, to help? Yeah, no, I think so. I think uh, on the top uh, on the top tier of things that burn out physicians, it's their EHR. I, I, as much as I, I, I love um, electronic health records and I love the fact that we need to digitize things, I think we've also caused enough pain. And I think in that sense, I think we can start working smarter. I think there's things that we still burden a physician with when we kind of we say we when we go into an office and we say we're going to you know make something electronic or we even move something from one electronic system to a new electronic system is really what's happening these days not just paper to pa- paper to yeah. electronic we tend to sort of add things it was this was nice but now we have these new regulatory measures that we need to now ask uh DVT prophylaxis questions on every hospitalization. So like we tend to sort of say we don't do even like for like. We end to do like like for like plus. <laughs> and we end up sort of adding all these onerous things, which we are totally think from a good pers- from a from a regulatory perspective, from a quality improvement perspective are great. But we've now added that extra 30 seconds, that extra minute, extra two minutes. You know, I think that those are the things that I think that are sort of incrementally burning out physicians. And that sort of, you know, just piles up and piles up and piles up. And and the other thing is, you know, if, if it's already documented somewhere, maybe it's not in your EHR, the ability for you to, to know that the patient was on a treatment or put by a treatment, maybe it was outside your, your four walls of your health system. The ability for us to use standards to actually bring that data together and not have the doctor ask you the same question every time you go to another doctor's office. I mean, it's bad enough we do it within a health system, but if we cannot do it at all, it would be it would be amazing. Yeah. Some great call-outs there. Yeah. And so what do you think about tools like Nuance, right? Just acquired by Microsoft. Is there a play there to 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 get even better at, at lifting some of the burden? What I've seen in, in some of this um, is sort of have the more passive version of, of that. I, I think I, I don't know I don't know a lot about technology, but I know the the ability to sort of, you know, passively collect data. While the doctor's documenting his note and being ability to sort of prompt them on the things that our billers want to have explicitly written out in the chart or, or have the ability for the doctor to even, I think there's even technology now that, that will, you know, it's rough in its, in its, in its inception right now, but in idea, it makes sense, but have the doctor have a conversation with the patient and have some, something documenting your note as, as we speak. It still needs to be, you know, right now it's, 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 it needs to be reviewed and edited and it's almost, you know, maybe adding to the thing. But I think as that progresses, it can only get, it can only, you know, get better. So, you know, right now you, you, I think you still have to be a little bit more scripted about what you try to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, we're all going in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you. Listen, this has been a fantastic opportunity to connect with you, for you to share your thoughts on on the space and where it's going. Any any closing thoughts, Dr. Chalico? And then what's the best place where, where folks can follow you and, and the work that you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I need to be more active on Twitter, but um, I think probably LinkedIn is probably the best thing. And and definitely um, look at me there. I think as, as a closing remark, I think, you know, I think everything is... Uh, it takes time to actually get these things. And I think now doing this for like 20 years in healthcare IT, I think we're in a much better place than we were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. And I think just, you know, it requires some patience and I think we'll get there. But the opportunities are amazing. And uh, and I think the opportunities and the investments that are being made in digital health, you know, and, and how health systems can harness those things, I think we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see. So... Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Chalico. And also the work that you're doing on on these clinical trials is also very exciting. So let's definitely stay close. We'd love to hear updates on that. For sure. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, happy to happy to come back anytime. <laughs>